0: You're listening to Black Humboldt's second season of Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt
1: County. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo, mom artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. Hey, y'all,
2: it's your favorite wiggler and giggler, the flowy healer, and fluffy unicorn, Levia. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, it's Tina, the songstress who helps the youth. Boop, 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 boop.
1: Hi, welcome back, community. I hope everyone enjoys your breakout session. I know I did. I want to um I just want to introduce our Knowledge for Power session that will be coming up next. Uh we have Tina Okoye and uh, Diana. I don't know why I just flunked. like I don't know your name. <laughs> and Diana uh, and Lovu. They're gonna be, uh, their session's entitled The One Drop Rule Cool. And um, this is a session that's just gonna talk about what is blackness and explore the effects of colorism on black people globally, looking at history, writing and having courageous conversations. Um, So I encourage you to stay tuned, get involved um, and listen up. Here we go.
0: Thank you, Mo. Um, Thank you all for coming back to join us and return for the two o'clock session. My name is Deanna and I am passionate about um, uplifting black people and brown skin, dark skin, and honoring the melanin. I'm I'm honoring the melanin right now, getting in the sun. (laughs) So I'm gonna shoot it over to you, Tina.
2: Hello everyone. My name is Tina Okoye for those who do not know me. Um, I am a committed Humboldtian, um, especially with, when it comes to Black and Brown folks. Um, I'm really happy to be here, to continue to educate, even when I'm afar. Um, for those who don't know, I'm actually on the East Coast, so it is 5 o'clock over here. Um, but it's always still an honor and a pleasure to still participate in all the good work that Black Humble has done and all of you participating um, time and time again. So just thank you for having me.
0: We want you all to feel free to drop in and chat, to express yourself, to um, share what you're feeling and thinking, um, anything that's differentiating from what we're saying, your own personal experiences, what you've seen. So feel free to engage with us. This session is going to be more conversational. uh, So you'll see Tina and I having a conversation because we don't want to talk at you. We want to make sure that you understand that these are our views that we're sharing with each other. And Tina and I might have even differing um, views and opinions. Um, And then we'll also find where we align in in this journey for this um, Knowledge for Power session. So again, feel free to drop in the chat. Um, Tina, you wanna have anything to add on to that before we start?
2: No, I think what you said is uh, perfectly perfect, actually. Um, I do think what's beautiful about Blackness in general is that we're not a monolith. We have different views. We have different perspectives. Um, and I think it's really a great opportunity to share them. Um, and with the chat uh, and what Dee uh, was saying with the chat, please feel free to express how you're feeling regarding anything that we have to say. If you can connect with us, if you can't connect with us, that's totally OK. That's what this space is for, just as long as it doesn't create any sort of hostility or pain Um, We wanna um, express that because this whole idea of our program is to empower and uplift and expose and educate folks, so.
0: Dope. So we just wanna open up with a little brief history of the brown paper bag test. Um, We named our session One Drop Rule Cool because it just seems to be, Taboo or something now where everyone is excited to be like, I'm partially black and I have a little bit of this and I have a little bit of that and my grandma is black and my, you know, such and such is black and African and Jamaican, whoever. Um, And it just seems to be about being cool to be black. There's actually a hip hop song that says, everybody want to be black, but nobody want to be black. So we wanted to take you back a little bit for the brown paper bag test and that that uh came out of um this idea that if you were uh light um light enough to pass in society um post slavery um and so during the segregation period there was just this idea of like uh light is right and um We uh, encourage you all to um, look up the history on the brown paper bag test. It still kind of exists today, but except we're not using a brown paper bag. It's shown in different ways and it shows up in different parts of our society and um, uh, systems. Um, So uh, Tina, what what do you think about the brown paper bag test?
2: (laughs) So um, the... It took me a while to actually understand what that meant. Um, And I know that historically um, it was really popular for certain uh, historically Black uh, fraternities and sororities, um, specifically the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And I think it was really just a way of survival. And even though it had such unfortunate consequences, I think these organizations have started to learn Um, how it can negatively impact the community and that it's not really benefiting the Black community, but actually going towards white supremacy. So obviously, um, even though that's a painful history, it's something that it it should be learned. And what can we do moving forward? So I think that um, the brown, the brown, the brown bag, sorry, the brown paper bag test um, just shows that we have a lot of work to do in terms of um admiring that being black one has a lot of shades but that doesn't mean there is one shade better than the other so that's what i've gotten from it
0: yeah and to think that um and and to be clear uh, so we want to focus on this topic of colorism because we do it to ourselves in our own communities am i light enough i don't want to be in the sun i don't want to get too dark or um, you know, I, I remember meeting someone from Sri Lanka and they said that, um, in Sri Lanka, that if you're dark, that means that you are a lower class, you're a outdoor worker in this current society. And then you got black people who are bleaching their skin and, um, what, you know, I, I had a friend who asked me, you know, had I ever had any, um, issues with that as a, as a child. And I was like, you know, I don't ever remember not loving being brown skin, but I, I don't like when, um, the sun tans me more in one spot than the other. And then I'm trying to get the other side tan. I'm like, I just want to be an even brown. (laughs) What was that like for you, Tina? (laughs)
2: Uh, so what, what was interesting is that I think I was lucky to have you know family who were like yeah this is your skin like you don't like don't worry about what that looks like I mean I I feel like I'm the lightest I've been in a really long time just because I work now and I'm inside I'm not as outside I'm not outside as much as I used to be like because I would get as dark as like I was basically looking purple, but I, I thought my skin looked real nice and, and people would tell me I look nice. So I was like, all right, I guess it's cool. But I definitely feel you on the idea that I had to even out my skin tone because I would be looking pale on my shoulders and then dark on my forearms and I would look a little goofy. But um, I would say that it was it wasn't until college that I noticed more of this idea of colorism where people were like, oh, like we're like, um you're the same color as i am and someone would be like no you're not you real dark and but it it, almost, it wasn't as if it was a compliment it almost felt like an insult and i was really disheartened and saddened by that because i'm like yo like like we're, our skin is bomb like we can handle the sun and and we glow so i don't understand why people are so upset about it but you know as time went on this idea of being light is right started to play more and more, especially when it came to finding a new job, like finding a job, being in the workplace where most of those spaces are predominantly white.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about two things. I'm gonna go off of what you just said. I remember a time when someone was saying that um, I was dark-skinned and it's, it's interesting because people have different spectrums of dark skin and like, I have some part of my family who who are actually um, very melanated. I would say a little bit more dark skinned, a, a lot more dark skinned than you, Tina. <laughs> like, and so when people say I'm dark skinned, I'm like, oh, I thought I was brown skinned. It hey. looks brown to me. And my little brother always says that he's brown, he's not black. So <laughs> there's also like the race conversation about that thing. Like what is brown and black and what is dark and what is light? How do we I, yeah. identify something as light skin? Caramel, and then there's a person who was lighter than me who said that they were dark skinned. And so I'm like, this conversation and spectrum about how we're conditioned in society about what is dark and what is light is still a conditioning of the brown paper bag test. It's just not with the bag, right? And then I'm also thinking about this time when I went to the doctor. I wanted to figure out why the back of my neck my mom is listening she's gonna laugh (laughs) the back of my neck is dark and i don't know if it's from the sun (laughs) or if it's from a a skin condition so i asked my doctor like what's going on with that and the doctor was saying that it's like a skin thing and it has to do with like some health stuff and i'm just like well i try to tan my back and cover my neck (laughs) because i'm like i think there's also like this idea that like um it's wrong to be dark or discolored and i would say like even for people who have melanated skin like I've, i'm i'm trying i am learning to embrace the different colors that my skin will have either are carrying by like something hereditary or melanin or um even something as simple as a bruise like how to love that part of you because you are of so many hues and um you know skin tones and stuff so love that all right i'm gonna play our first video so tina and i prepped um a few videos for everyone to check out um and you're gonna hear us just dialogue about these videos
3: today friends we're talking about the light-skinned elephant in the room and why it keeps getting all of the attention (laughs) In the world of pop culture, darker skinned women have frequently gotten the short end of the success stick. Just consider.
0: Let me reshare this. Sorry. Let's try this again.
3: In the world of pop culture, darker-skinned women have frequently gotten the short end of the success stick. Just consider the most successful black female singers in the last decade. You could probably come up with dozens of names, including Alicia Keys, Sierra, Mariah Carey, Jeanine Aiko, and of course, Beyonce. But can you name even five deeply melanated female pop stars? I mean, we did have Brandy as Cinderella, but that was 20 years ago. Wait, was it? From Lena Horne, the first Black actress to sign a major studio deal, to Halle Berry, the first Black actress to win a Best Actress Academy Award, lighter-skinned and often mixed-race women have usually broken through society's biggest barriers first. Now, this isn't to say they weren't hardworking or didn't deserve it, but Black people with lighter skin, straighter hair, and more Eurocentric features have always been more likely to be given the paltry number of opportunities to access white spaces and institutions. This is the reality, but why? Now, before we answer that, we gotta say, who's considered dark-skinned or light-skinned is all relative and definitely varies from culture to culture. But for our purposes, when we say light-skinned, think Nicki Minaj, Zoe Kravitz, Rihanna, Zendaya. And when we say dark-skinned, think Viola Davis, Kelly Rowland, and Lupita. The roots of this light versus dark inequality stem all the way back to the days of slavery, when lighter-skinned slaves, often the mixed children of white slave owners, aka the product of rape, aka your not-slick Thomas Jefferson, were given domestic work as opposed to the physical labor of darker slaves, thus landing higher on the skin tone hierarchy because of their proximity to whiteness. This separation was enacted based on the slave traders' false beliefs that darker-skinned people were better suited for hard labor, whereas lighter-skinned Blacks were thought to be better suited for intelligent and domestic tasks. Don't get it twisted, though. Whether in the house or in the field, they were still enslaved, so it was definitely not a choice, no matter what your weird cousin on Facebook says. Out of the house slave versus field slave mentality came white supremacist stereotypes that framed light-skinned people as the good blacks, and darker-skinned people as lazy, unintelligent, unattractive, undesirable, criminal, aggressive, and just all-around bad. Now, while the skin tone hierarchy known as colorism is a byproduct of white supremacy, it's not just a white thing. Stereotypical figures like the angry black woman and sassy black friend are, unfortunately, also present in black-made media. In the recent past, there have been numerous examples of black people in the media perpetuating the idea that lighter is better. The popular 90s sitcom Martin, as brilliant as it was, is a shining example of this problem. Light-skinned Gina was positioned as attractive, intelligent, and funny, versus her dark-skinned friend Pam, who despite being banging, was often coded as unattractive and the butt of many of Martin's jokes. And what we will not do is stand for anyone coming for sitcom legend Tishina Arnold. And there's been even more recent instances of this. Remember that time Kanye West held a Yeezy casting asking for multiracial women only? Or when the casting call for the movie Straight Out of Compton described A girls as the hottest of the hottest with real hair, and D girls as, and I quote, African American girls, poor, not in good shape, medium to dark skin tone. Yikes, it'd be your own people. Or remember when rapper Kodak Black, himself a dark-skinned black man, said that he doesn't date women who share his complexion because they're too gutter? Come on now, Kodak, Black is in your name. These examples point to the fact that many black people, even those with the power to create change within their own industries, sometimes internalize the very colorist stereotypes that have kept them down. Now, the media doesn't necessarily cause colorism, but it reinforces it in ways that have real-world implications. Colorism has much wider ramifications than just who we see on our movie screens or on the cover of magazines. So prepare your Hot Cheetos and Toms cuz this gets even sadder. A 2011 study conducted in North Carolina found out that of the over 12,000 African-American women prisoners, light-skinned women were sentenced to 12% less prison time than darker ones. Or consider the fact that according to a Harvard University study, dark-skinned Blacks in the United States have lower socioeconomic status, more punitive relationships with the criminal justice system, diminished prestige, and less likelihood of holding elective office compared with their lighter counterparts. There have even been Black dating apps with filters for skin tone. In other words, by privileging lighter skin, straighter hair, and more Eurocentric features, the media creates an environment that affects dark-skinned people on a social, political, and personal level. And yes, the only Aunt Viv I recognize is the original dark-skinned Aunt Viv. Now, of course, lighter-skinned people of color are not exempt from discrimination or racism, but acknowledging that they experience light-skinned privilege doesn't negate those struggles. But don't worry, I have great news. Well, maybe not great news, but helpful. There are some things that all people of color can do to combat colorism within their communities and in pop culture as a whole. This includes catching yourself from using language like pretty for a dark-skinned girl, engaging in open and honest conversations about how colorism affects your daily life, and if you're light-skinned, acknowledging your privilege. Because at the end of the day, it shouldn't be team light Skin versus team dark Skin. It should be team melanated people of all sizes, shapes, and shades versus society's dumb bull- And look, we all have biases. To learn more and to challenge your own, check out lookdifferent.org. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Decoded.
1: Amazing. Amazing.
0: So what do you think about that?
2: I think it's, uh, I think that I really love, well, first of all, I love um, Francisca Ramsey. I think she does such a good job at um, giving really important and sometimes, you know, painful information in a way that's digestible and engaging. Um, And I think the thing that stuck out to me the most is just this internalized racism, right? Like, I think that's the hardest um concepts to really talk about because some people really don't realize what they're doing or perpetuating um when they say things like that like oh you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl or uh you know I like my um red bone kind of girls like they really don't realize what they're (laughs) bringing out to the world and and who they're isolating when they're saying those things um so I think I really do like that video because it really does shed a lot of light on why colorism does destroy the black community because at the end of the day the world still all sees us as black and we do still deal with a lot of the consequences um of being black but when there's that one that one person being like well at least i'm a little bit lighter it really just it just feels like we're um falling backwards i don't know it's just it's this uh tug of war it can be really frustrating sometimes
0: yeah it <laughs> the whole thing about kodak black i was Tina you know I'm passionate about this But all of the hip hop songs There's this one hip hop song by Pop Smoke That goes light skin My type and I'm like I was vibing with this song Until I heard that because I was just like Oh my gosh your personal Preference has nothing to do with Respecting all black Women and great great that's That's his song he has his creative Freedom of speech But it's perpetuating this constant Narrative about light-skinned people through media, um, and it just disregards the love for darker-skinned people. So, um, I don't know. What What do you think about that?
2: Well, I I always think it's always it's always tough with the media because these because a lot of these people have such a huge impact, especially with impressionable minds like younger people. Um, and because it's like the day to day, it becomes so innate that people really believe that this indoctrination is their own thoughts, and that always troubles me because when there are people who want to think critically, it they almost get dismissed and isolated because it's not it, it's not the I guess it's not the consensus, if you will. So yeah, it's a lot there's a lot of good music <laughs> that's giving out. Um, it's not always giving out the most positive um perspectives on how we should view people because, yeah, we we are all black, we are all brown, and it should be respected. It shouldn't matter the hue, whether it's a little bit lighter or a little bit darker. And it's and it, it and it's so easy to say, but why can't we act on that, right? Like actions do speak louder, you know, so and I think about that a lot. And, and- oh, sorry. No, no, I just want to say like, because even as someone who, you know, I believe in that Blackness. I believe that everyone should be valued for who they are. Sometimes I slip up, right? Because we're constantly being inundated with this idea that, you know, light is right. So like, how do we unlearn and then relearn, which can be emotionally exhausting when there's other forces telling you, nah, like what, like, what you're doing is crazy. Like stick to the status quo.
0: Let's hire all the light skin chicks. You know, it's. Oh, I lost my train of thought. I think one of the things I wanted to point on. Oh, when you were talking about indoctrination, um, and in that indoctrination, are we looking at if that's fetis fetishization? Because people have foot fetishes, hand fetishes, you know, all these different things, and that's their their thing, and you're entitled to that. But when we start fetishizing, um skin color instead of looking at spirit and love and these things we're we're really selling ourselves short and missing out on the love and abundance you can have despite what someone looks like um so there's there's a bit of like fetish, vanity, there's a indoctrination, there's a
2: mix of things in that pot there um yeah and what I actually like, some someone actually brought in um, a really good point in terms of, yeah, people are allowed to have preferences. Like you're allowed to love whoever you want. It's just this idea of like, oh, I like, I like this light-skinned person because this dark skin person is X, Y, and Z. It's like, why do you have to add that negative piece to it? Like no one is saying you can't love whoever you want, but if it means you're going to destroy somebody else, that is what I think is absolutely wrong. Like it doesn't, It's not right and it it goes back to what you're saying, like you are really missing out on potentially amazing people just because of that fetish sizing, if you will.
0: On that note, I'm going to uh, start our second video Um, and it's a brief colorism news flash y'all. So um, let's check it out. We'll be skipping around this video a little bit uh, because we just want to get certain points here Yeah, it's
2: two o five.
0: Publicly, Deborah Roberts is here with more on the story. Good morning, Deborah. Thank you. Time.
2: Yep, two o five. You got it.
0: (laughs) Uh oh, it's not letting me move it. Hmm. You have it, Tina.
2: I do. I can do. I can share it.
1: I got you.
0: Yeah. And, oops, sorry.
1: Can, y- can y'all hear it?
0: Hit the unmute button. OOP.
1: That's a the dizer, showing hourly wages among Blacks literally rising as skin tone lightens. Of supremacy, its impact woven into American society and can affect every aspect of life. Take a look at the differences in wages for a dark-skinned African-American, a brown-skinned and a light-skinned African-American. The study showing hourly wages among Blacks literally rising as skin tone lightens. Lighter-skinned minorities viewed as more intelligent by employers, even with identical education as their darker-skinned counterparts. Experts say these examples of colorism have long-lasting effects of both mental and and physical trauma the anti-blackness started
0: with this whole idea that the darker you are the less human you are and so everyone's distancing themselves from that i think multi-generational trauma is evident i hated the way i looked i just wanted to like scratch the dark skin out
1: of my face one time
4: i was in the bathtub and i
1: wanted to stay in longer so my skin color could be lighter i just thought that's how it worked Anti-colorism organizations like the Beauty Well Project in Minnesota work to end the stigma against darker-skinned people of all races who face discrimination from society as well as their own communities. I know I was not alone. I'm not the only, only dark-skinned girl that has do bullied. You know, so we need more dark-skinned girls and boys just to speak out.
0: Thank you, Tina. Oh man. A $5 difference in pay to be (laughs) light-skinned. Oh my gosh, like, that's insane. Yeah,
2: I mean, it is, it is just, it's definitely disheartening. I mean, it's no wonder. And I mean, this is exactly why when people question institutional racism, I'm thinking like, look, look at this. Like people can't even make it economically just because of how they show up in the world. And, and that's why privilege is such a big thing too, because it goes the same way. You have more benefits just because you exist in the world and how you show up in the world. Yeah, it's wild to me. And
0: I'm also thinking um, about this little girl saying that she was sitting in the bathtub to lighten her skin and that, that self-hate, how much that'll spread if she had just told a friend like, yeah, you can do this. And then the friend also finds about bleaching and then another friend finds another way. And then, and and that's how, and you know, teens, they they constantly sharing and teaching each other how to do this and do that challenge. And I think about this play by Toni Morrison. uh, Well, sorry, the book, the novel by Toni Morrison, The Bluest Eye that was adapted by Lydia R. Diamond uh, as a stage play picola wanted to have blue eyes and wanted to have light in her skin and by the end of the story i'm sorry if i'm giving it away to people before they read it spoiler alert <laughs> by the end of the story Piccola's skin didn't necessarily change and her eyes didn't necessarily turn blue but mentally she drove herself to the point of psychological trauma that she self-inflicted, that when she looked in the mirror, she truly thought she saw blue eyes and white skin. How powerful has this social conditioning and racism constructed self-hate in us that when we look in the mirror, we don't love ourselves and that this little girl in this play saw something that she wasn't. And that's what that little girl reminded me of.
2: Right, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is like, and that's such a good combination. It goes and it goes actually to our next segue. I think it works really well on how early this internalized racism, this self hate, can occur, because it's showing up in so many spaces all the time. And even as parents or guardians or people who truly want to dismantle this idea media and peer like just peer peep, like people and the environment can always shut that down so
0: and if we're commodifying light skin this goes to the point you said i had to write this note down you said anybody who was close to whiteness will always pick that side because of social conditioning so that means if i got a Play the part because i'm like gonna get five dollars extra in my bonus or in that hiring pay i'm gonna choose anything closest to whiteness mm-hmm. and that's how we've been constructed particularly in the united states to commodify our white skin in all of these different places that show up in the in the states all right let's pull up uh something that takes us to like you said the point about childhood and the trauma that's inflicted on children starting at a very young age. Um, there are subtitles and we chose to make sure that, th- that we show this experience um, through many lenses uh, throughout the world. This is not just a United States issue, this is a global issue. Uh, so tune into the subtitles if you are watching from Facebook Live.
5: Quale bambola è bianca? Quale bambola è nera? Quale delle due è bella?
4: Mm, Questa.
5: Qual è quella bella? Qual è quella brutta? Qual è quella buona? Quale è cattiva? Qual è buona? Lei. Perché è buona?
4: Perché gli occhi celesti.
5: Quale è cattiva? Perché è cattiva?
4: Perché è tutto tutto nero.
5: E qual è la bambola che ti somiglia di più?
3: Tre bambini mi hanno infise con cattiveria. No,
5: io non ho usato nessuna
4: cattiveria.
1: Quello oh, sto mi sta guardando storto.
0: Da? Oh. That- gets me no matter what language and part of the world the test is done in whether it's from nineteen sixty five or two thousand twenty one it gets me every time and I'm always like I'm not buying any other dolls except the black doll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I want kids to know that the black doll is priority number one preference. Uh, and I love that growing up, my mom always bought me Black dolls. She's particularly mad about my Brandy doll because I cut her hair off because I wanted her to have <laughs> a little bob. <laughs> but, uh, like, I love that my mom was an example for me because she bought so many Black dolls for me, Barbie dolls. And now they have these new line of Black dolls out. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah, that representation was always really important. Like, even for me growing up, I always... I was always looking for black dolls. They were always so hard to find because they just weren't around, like literally. And and I knew early on that they didn't look like me, so why would I get them? Um, and it is really unfortunate that all these little kids, and, and they're so young, like that is the thing that blows my mind. They are so young and they're already being conditioned into thinking that, Black like blackness isn't beautiful. They're it's bad, and it explains why. And like just that test alone explains why there is all this discrimination and this police brutality because we are so ingrained in this idea that blackness is bad that they have to be criminals even if they're just trying to exist.
0: Yeah, and you know, if they are that young, they're not having like hours of intellectual conversation about this thing those kids were no more than seven eight years old one looked maybe about six Mm. six years of your life you've already decided that the black doll is ugly bad and what was the other one ugly bad and uh, black i thought it was yeah and black yeah um. Mm. So, how do we keep? How do we keep this, um, honoring dark skin and also, um, not looking to white is right or lighter the better or, um, you know, I've around my hood, I done heard plenty of boys say I'm a I'm a data. A Latina or a white girl, or I'm gonna get a light skin because I don't want a dark baby, like straight up, just said it like that. Mm-hmm. I, have you heard of Tina or am I, yeah. am I tripping? No, you're not. Nope. You're not tripping. I've heard that too. Yeah. yeah. You're not tripping. Yeah. Because we have always been conditioned that we, we want to procreate lighter babies. We want to bleach our skin so we can be, be lighter, all these things oh it's heartbreaking and then you had the one kid he was only like question two in and was like i'm done i already like there's no amount of like intelligence that that kid needed to feel like i'm done i know where this is
2: going yep i mean even the little girl like you could tell how sad she was especially when they ask like, which doll looks like you, knowing that you said that doll was ugly and that doll was bad. Like it's, and, but it also, it just does confirm and reaffirm that children observe and learn things and absorb things quite quickly. Quite quickly.
0: They don't need the words. And I always say the first form of communication is physical and visual. They don't have to have the words. And um, I'm thinking particularly about uh, the young lady who spoke out. Only one kid was like, why are you offending me? And he's like, I'm not offending you. And what she's sensing is, where are we going with this thing? Because now you try and play me. <laughs> like literally, what like, What do you want me to do? What are, the, what are you trying to tell me about these dolls? Because you have mm-hmm. been asking me all these questions. And what she is getting at is that you are constructing self-hate in me by asking these questions.
2: Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought the ending, that the ending is always really interesting because and the way she described it, she basically said like, like you, like you are black or who is black. And. Just the word black offended her because of all the other environmental factors that she had to deal with prior to this conversation. So like that, and, but I did appreciate her being like, yo, like, she it was yeah, she was able to defend herself. I liked that. And being able to teach our kids that we should, that they shouldn't be, like, they shouldn't have to put up with things that are painful to them and how to do it in a way that is constructive and powerful, empowering, right, if you will, yeah.
0: She was empowering to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, then, and, and, and it reminds me how it's always not that many who will speak out. Yeah. Very few will speak out. Mm-hmm. And when we get that one kid who speaks out, the teacher puts a lid on it.
2: Yep. Which, te- which just tells everyone else that it's it's better just to be quiet and internalize it.
0: Yeah. How do we get this information? That's another conversation. I'm <laughs> a. Um, <laughs> i am just want to say <laughs> I'm already brainstorming. Like we gotta. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just want to. I'm glad we were we were able to connect that intercontinental colorism yeah. issue, um, and it looks differently in every country. Yeah. Um, because there are some people in other countries who don't call themselves black.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um you know, despite this um, massive construction of uh, race, you know, and that's also another conversation somewhere else that people can find about the construction of race. I am (laughs) going to share our final video um, so that we can have enough time at the end. We want to um, talk about empowering um, dark skin, like you said, empower yourself, empower others, and to uplift and uphold dark skin it's just beautiful i mean look i went down to um willow creek for a black lady uh weekend retreat with some chicks and uh we was in the sun for hours trying to get that nice little melanated science happening biology happening and the skin of that I little hate. golden you know Listen. Nice. i don't need bronzer <laughs>
2: Yo, so getting sun kissed is the best. I mean, it really is.
0: Yes, sun All right, here goes the video, y'all. <laughs> it might have a little commercial.
1: Six women were among the victims of a horrific shooting in Georgia. All right. They were grandmothers, mothers, daughters, sisters, and wives. They were killed because they were Asian. But anti-Asian violence is not new. It is part of our collective memory. As the families in Georgia mourn and memorialize the lives of their loved ones, we remember the history of racism our community has faced. In 1875, the Page Act passes, banning Chinese women from entering the United States. It's the first federal law to limit immigration. In
3: 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act passes, prohibiting Asian immigrants from becoming US citizens. It's discriminatory practices survive for over 80 years. In 1885, 28 Chinese Americans are lynched and murdered in Rock Springs, Wyoming.
4: 1930, across California, hundreds of Filipino American farm workers injured and scores killed by rioters. 1942, 120,000 Japanese Americans incarcerated in concentration camps by our own government. 1982, Vincent Chin beat to death by two men with a baseball bat right before his wedding, mistaken for being Japanese, accused of stealing their jobs. 1989, five Vietnamese and Cambodian children killed, more than 30 wounded, Stockton, California. In the wake of September 11, 2001, attacks against Muslims and South Asians search. 2012, six Sikh Americans killed in a temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin.
1: This past year, almost 4,000 incidents of anti-Asian violence, including murders of our elders simply walking in their own neighborhoods.
4: Memory is the antidote to death. Solidarity is the answer to silence.
1: As activist Valerie Kaur once asked, what if this is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? Today we birth something new, knowing it's up to all of us to keep each other safe and shine a light together.
6: años apenas Apenas siete años que siete años no llegaba cinco siquiera de pronto unas voces en la calle me gritaron negra 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 negra, 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 negra. negra. ¡Negra! ¿Soy acaso negra, me dije? ¿Qué cosa es ser negra? ¡Negra! Yo no sabía la triste verdad que aquello escondía. ¡Negra! Y me sentí negra. ¡Negra! Como ellos decían. ¡Negra! Y retrocedí. ¡Negra! Como ellos querían. ¡Negra! Yo dié mis cabellos y mis labios gruesos y miré apenada mi carne tostada y retrocedí. ¡Negra! Y retrocedí. ¡Negra, negra, 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 negra,
4: negra, negra! ¡Negra, negra, 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 negra,
6: negra, 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 Y pasaba el tiempo, y siempre amargada. Seguía llevando a mi espalda mi pesada carga. ¡Y cómo pesaba! Me alacía el cabello me volvé la cara, y entre mis entrañas siempre resonaba la misma palabra.
4: ¡Negra, <todos> negra, 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 negra!
6: Hasta que un día que retrocedía, retrocedía y que iba a caer. ¡Negra, <todos> negra, negra,
4: negra, negra,
6: negra, negra,
4: negra, negra, negra!
6: ...algún sin sabor, llaman a los negros gente de color. ¿Y de qué color? ¡Negro! ¿Y qué lindo suena? ¡Negro! ¿Y qué ritmo tiene? ¡Negro, negro, negro, negro! ¡Negro, negro,
4: negro, negro! ¡Negro, negro,
6: negro, negro, negro! ¡Negro, negro, negro, negro! negro 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 al fin! ¡Al fin comprendí! ¡Al fin! ¡Ya no retrocedo. ¡Al fin! ¡Ya avanzo segura! ¡Al fin! ¡Avanzo y espero! ¡Al fin! ¡Y bendigo al cielo porque quito Dios que negro hasta fuerte de mi color!
0: And for those of you who do not speak Spanish, I'm going to read you the English version of um, Victoria Santa Cruz's work. And she says, they yelled at me, black. I was just seven years old, just seven years old. What? Seven years old and not even make it five. Suddenly, some voices on the street, they yelled at me, black, 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 black. Am I black? I told myself, yes what is to be a black black and I didn't know the sad truth which might be behind black and I felt black black as they said black I stepped back black just as they wanted black and I hated my hair and my fleshy lips and I saw with sadness my brunette skin I stepped back black I stepped back black 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 and the time went by and I always so And I always so bitter, I continued to carry my heavy burden on my back and how it weighed. I smoothed my hair and I make up my face, but among my soul I heard always the same word. Black, 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 until one day I stepped back. I stepped back and I was going to fall out. Black, 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 black. So what? So what? black yes black i'm black 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 i'm black black yes black i'm black 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 i'm black henceforth i don't want to smooth my hair i don't want and i'll laugh at those to prevent they said to prevent some conflict they call to black people people of color and what a color black and how good it sounds black what a rhythm it has black 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 finally i realized finally i don't step back anymore finally i walk safe finally i walk in hope finally and i bless the heaven because god wanted that my skin was jet black color and i understood finally that i have total control i'm black
2: I love that poem. Like I freaking love it. I love how she pretty much explained her journey. I mean, she started as someone really scared and almost ashamed of her color. And, you know, with time and learning and self-love, she realized like, yeah, like I'm not going to let people dictate my happiness because of how I show again, show up in the world. And now she's empowered. Now she's really Proud of who she is as a black woman, and and honestly, like shout out to the Afro Latin Latinx people because it is a struggle trying to navigate both identities when you need to be Latinx when you need to be black. Like, what does that look like? But at the end of the day, her skin shows that, and she's proud of that. And I just that's I just love that poem. It's it's awesome.
0: When I tell you that this um, Afro-Latinx conversation couldn't be right on time. In the Heights is getting (laughs) fire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Lin-Manuel Morenda. Yeah, yeah, Lin-Manuel. I'm like, how do you exclude all of those dark-skinned Afro-Latinx people in the Bronx? Ah! I was like, I can't, like, there's so many i'm like wow it was yeah i can not my conversation to have but i come from those parts and i'm like that's interesting you're from new york you know better (laughs) but yeah yeah, there's there's a conversation around that happening and um again intercontinental colorism uh you know you know my family were discussing like did that did, did the casting director not include that in the conversation was it a blind spot was that an idea taken away from and then i was in the clubhouse and there was a an afro latina woman who said that um that when it was on broadway it was the same thing that the movie version is not any different so and that was directed by uh uh what's his name um in the heights he did um crazy rich um asians um i'm gonna pull it up right now this is uh john m Chu, and he has an interview talking about doing the dramaturgy and like kind of you know research of what it means to be in the um not just like Latinx community, but like, like New York culture is so, it's so different. Like, you know, like New Yorkans, the Dominicans, the like everybody, like there's so many of everybody in New York. (laughs) So you gotta not just research one group of Latinx people because like um, Dominican food is different from Puerto Rican food. You know what I mean? So it's like, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. But in <laughs> the heights got me on fire. <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, it just for it just it just felt like a missed opportunity. I mean, this was a not like this was literally a chance to finally be like, okay, let let's make this as representative as possible. And even when they did have an Afro-Latina, yeah, um, in in the uh movie she still didn't have that rep- like there, there could have been so much more in terms of the kinkier hair the darker skin like this was just unfortunately a missed opportunity i heard it was a good movie i'm still going to watch it just to, just to support but it is disappointing that once again they slipped up and it's once again another oh, i'm so sorry and that's why i keep saying actions do speak louder than words like you can say sorry up and down and all around but if you keep making the same mistakes are you actually sorry so, but yeah it was a missed opportunity but I love this poem because we're I think it's it's just this is an op- also an opportunity to start being empowered by the dark skin not being scared of it not trying to shy away from it and for people who want to support it also encouraging that the dark skin is good it is beautiful and it shouldn't be seen as dangerous or threatening yeah soy negra
0: soy negra (laughs) um i think that's all i have to say on this conversation today to honor beautiful black skin and to honor melanin and love it and share it and make sure that um all children not just black children that we're all teaching our children to love dark skin Mm
4: -hmm
2: yep I concur and once again for all for everyone that's been here with us um engaging with us and listening to us we really do appreciate all the love um I mean this has been a really rough year and it's really nice that while things are slowly opening up please remember that there are still people suffering there are still people. Who ha- were heavily impacted by this pandemic. So hopefully just showing up with a lot more love and empathy um, as the year, as, as the year starts to continue and as things start to slowly open up. Please stay safe and still and stay beautiful, y'all.
0: Thank you so much, Tina, for having this conversation with me. Thank you all for listening. Please share um, this video on Facebook um, once we close it out. Thanks. Peace Thanks, y'all.
2: y'all. Peace.
1: Thanks for listening to The Black Aesthetic, y'all. This was the BH Hub talking art, life, and just existence in Humboldt County. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast across all streaming platforms. If you want to get involved with The Hub or have questions or want to show us some love, you can hit us up at blackhumble at gmail.com. We're on all socials at Black Humboldt. That's B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-T. And until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.